Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Good evening, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everybody's staying healthy and staying safe. Hope everyone's enjoying their time indoors as best they can, as best you can. Uh, Hope you're enjoying all the content here we're releasing in April. We've really kind of increased the number of episodes from what we normally do. So hopefully we're providing an escape for you. You can also find us on Twitter at The Hook Rocks and also on Facebook, The Hook Rocks on Facebook as well. So once again, we have another episode of the New Music Spotlight. I'd like to welcome in from South Wales, from the band Those Damn Crows, Shane Greenhall. How are you doing today, Shane? How's it going, man? Glad to finally have you on the show. I know we had some stuff scheduled before, and it just didn't work out due to some things and everything, but uh, glad to have you on. Glad to talk about the new album. I'm really excited about it. We just did an episode earlier this week where we put it in the top five of the 2020 releases so far this year. Wow. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, really love the record. Really been diving into it since it was released in February. 
So we're excited about it. I know you guys are excited about it too as well. So we'll get into that. However, we always start the episode every time we have a first-time guest the same way. And that is the essence of the show, okay. which is the hook rocks. Every rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, okay. whether it's a band, a performance, a song, or album that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, man, there are so many. Um, I guess ACDC was probably one. Uh, Nirvana, probably as well. I mean, just they want so much. I wish it was the chord pattern of um, Team Spirit, Slava Team Spirit. I mean, I, I'm, I grew up in the 90s, so um, grunge is really big for us. Um, so Pearl Jam as well. I mean, oh, so many. But I suppose... Yeah, back in black, maybe. Yeah, I mean, man, there's so many. I mean, was it there? Was there a song that you heard that kind of stopped you in your tracks and be like, "What is that? I need to hear more of that." It was yeah, it was probably Nirvana. It was anything Nirvana did, really. I mean, I remember hearing um, something in the way with Nirvana, and I I, I couldn't get over so that they were this sort of rock grunge band. These sort of really low mundane vocals and a cello player and what's this um, so like like I said Nirvana was healed when we were kids um, in school so I guess it was Nirvana really. was there a moment as you grew into rock music as you became more and more yeah. entrenched in it was there a, a song that you heard that made you want to write music um I mean, my dad was a big sort of country fan, uh, country rock, and, uh, and then I kind of listened to Bruce Springsteen. And um, there wasn't so many. It wasn't like an individual song. Um, it was just so many bands and rock bands. Um, like I said, ATTC, Led Zeppelin, Beatles, um, Nirvana, uh, Green Day were big when we were kids. Um, there wasn't specifically a song. It was just any music at all. Like, there's such a, a library of songs, you know what I mean? And, and not kind of one, stick to one band or one song. Um, I just love music in general, man. And that's, that's the truth, right? Was there a moment, or what was the moment that you wanted to get on stage and perform live? Uh, it was basically when... Like, my dad was a huge inspiration, really. I mean, I listened to him singing. Um, so I guess I, at an early age, I picked up the guitar really quickly and then started getting into those bands like I just mentioned. But it was... I'd always perform in front of my family and stuff. But it wasn't until I saw my own guitar when I was around 13, 14, and I hooked up with um, a fellow bandmate, actually, when we were kids in school, um, Shine and Ronnie. And um, we were about 14, 15, jamming out in the music room. And then we kind of did our first show, I think, when we were 17. Um, proper, proper rock band. Um, so, yeah, I guess we were 17. And as you had your journey in rock music, Those Damn Crows was formed. Tell us about the history of the band. Well, it's been myself, Ronnie, and Shane all had a song together. Um, so we kind of jammed up in the music room with our incredibly inspirational music which just let us run riot um, 
in his music room. Ronnie would jump on the drums, I'd jump on piano, guitar. Trying to do the same, which just, it just hit hell of those um, instruments. And um, little did we know, we were kind of honing our craft back then, um, which then later on we met up with Lloyd and Dave um, much later on. It was like a 20 year gap before we got together again. But we had to go away. I mean, China only were in other bands, they were, had a publishing team, so that deal started writing constantly writing in the studio and stuff. But I need um, a song done. I need to want to do some drums for me. And then he showed me some demos of what him and China were doing and then I basically sang on them and the next thing he knew we were recording in Rockfield Studios um, for our first album, Murder the Motive. And it's been um still ever since The new album is Point of No Return. It's a follow-up to Murder and the Motive. What was the process like putting this album together, writing this record? How did it evolve after Murder and the Motive? Um, slightly different. When we released Murder and the Motive, it was a self-release, um, to be honest. It was a 13-track album. And then we sang with Zurich. And then it got narrowed to like a 10 song album with some new sort of songs upon it. So we had that album kicking around for a good two, three years. So we kind of had the new songs ready for the new album for a long time. But like I said, Yurik wanted to re release the new album, the last album. So we were sitting on a lot of these sort of nearly done songs. Um, but then we had. I don't know, two months to get a, a proper sort of new sounding album together. Um, and it was pretty quick, actually. We were just itching to write new material because we were sitting on Murder and Motive for so long. So it was a pretty easy process. When you put out, your, when you're writing Point of No Return, how, does you, how do you merge all the ideas of the band? Is there a primary songwriter? Does everybody have input? How does that all work? Um... Well, it's a collaboration between us all, whether it be a riff from someone, someone send over, we all got our own studios, so someone could send a riff over, or a call progression. Um, I tend to write, well, I wrote all the lyrics and everything on, on the melodies and stuff on, on this new record, um, but it is a collaboration, we get in a room, we jam up an idea, and then before you know it, that kind of pretend there's a song at the end of it. Um, so we had around... 15, 16 songs ready for the new album. Um, we kind of narrowed it down to the best sort of. Well, originally we thought we were just going to do a 10 song album, but we had 13 that we thought were killer, and the label did too. So we went in and recorded 13 songs, and the record label actually said we will use all 13. But it's a collaboration between us all. Now, when you have your influences and you have the rest of the band's influences, you know, it makes the sound of those damn crows. How do you, you know, merge all that stuff together? Is it seamless? Is it, you know, effortless? Or is it, you know, a, a conscious effort to wear those influences on your sleeve? Um, it's a great question. We all got our, our different influences, but the majority is the same. So, like, um, Shane, for example, our guitarist, he, he makes the uh, heaviest sort of stuff like Slipknot and what have you. So 
naturally, if I bring a riff or Dave brings a riff, anybody brings a riff to the table, Shane will have his way of playing it. So, and his sort of, um, the synthesis and everything on his amp is, is heavier than a sort of standard rock um, band. So, immediately takes it to a, a different place. Um, and that's the beauty of us. I mean, the fact we've been together for, for so long as, as, as kids, you know what I mean, grown up kids like in music. Um, I think that's, I think sometimes we take it for granted just how, how not easy, but how, how great it becomes, you know, just in the room jamming because you just know each other's style, you know each other's way of thinking. It's, without sounding stupid, but sometimes it's kind of a, a look, a telepathic sort of way, you know, you just, just know where the song is going. And, um, and I only know that because the boys have been in bands before and they've been easy to create music. So we must be doing something like. I imagine chemistry is important to what you guys do. And yeah, some bands have exactly. a lot of it. You know, some bands have a lot of chemistry. Some bands need to find it on a day-to-day basis, an album-to-album basis. How, with yeah. the chemistry that you have, you mentioned being being able to play together for, for such a long time. How does that, you know, I imagine when you go and write songs and you have input and you're writing the lyrics and everyone's coming up with riffs or, or whatever, that has to be something that you don't have to worry about. I know there's bands out there that, you know, have struggle to get material out and push that material out and push those songs out. Whereas it sounds like with you guys, it comes with more of a natural process. Is that correct to say? Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's very little songs someone bought my beer and you've gone, oh, that song's rubbish. You know, it's, it's, it's good, but there's always ones that are better. And, and that seems to be a great position to be in. Um, it's never a bad idea. Um, it's just, there's always better ones. That's the kind of ethos with the band, you know, there's, there's never a bad song written. We've never written a bad a song that just laughed um, you know, a month later and thought that was rubbish. Um, they're all pretty damn good. <laughs> and um it's just trying to get when you when you're writing for an album, it's it's picking, you know, the cream of the crop, so to speak. Um but we are fortunate and like you said, it is all about the chemistry. And lyrically too as well. I mean you you write and sing about some deep subjects you know where where do you find your inspiration how do you put that on paper and into the song um well from past experience to be to be quite honest and brutal about it um it's something i wish i couldn't write about but sadly you know um it, it comes a little bit too easy and it's a little bit too um close and sensitive but there's family members um myself Friends, um, who did it, for example, was about um, the sort of suicides in our town. Um, and I knew some of those people, and, and just how the media sort of made this big frenzy about it all, not giving a shit about, sorry, am I allowed to swear? Oh, absolutely, go <laughs> um, right ahead. Not, not really giving a shit about, you know, the, 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 the poor people that are uh, uh, going through turmoil. Um, so that that song was about that. Um, they weren't bothered about who did it, who, who killed themselves. It was about the story. Um, so that's what that song was about. These other songs are about self harm and depression. There's, there's lots of 
kind of dark things, but that's that's the wonderful thing about music. You can you can get that stuff off your chest and something like that. It's therapeutic, but at the same time, it can be poignant and sometimes things need to be said. And, and through music, it's I think it's the best option. You know, I imagine getting it off your chest is important, and you know, with that, yeah. with that idea of getting something that's in your head and in your heart on paper in a song and it can be therapeutic, but it also can be stressful because you are reliving something. You're reconnecting to something that maybe isn't something that makes you happy or makes you smile and you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to the audience about what you're writing about. You're really putting yourself out there. So it's a fine line between therapy and being vulnerable. How do you walk that line? You were absolutely bang on. Um, for example, there's a song on a record called Never Win, and for a long time I could not. That's about a relationship I was in with my wife, um, and that turned sour. And for a long time I I wrote the song literally overnight. It was so easy to write down because all the honest and true songs are, are the easiest sort of thing to write. But performing it was a completely different situation. I couldn't I couldn't get through that song because it was still too raw, it was still too close and personal. Um I hadn't given myself enough time to sort of deal with that. Um along with songs like Sin on Skin, for example, that's another thing about depression and so it's, it's it is truly tough but thankfully I can I can I can do it now. So and you know they all appreciate kind of exactly that. Um but you are right, it, it there's a fine line because um, you can if you get it was one stage in London and playing a song and I just got so into it I, it took me straight back to the memories and started choking up and uh, like you said it's a fine line you've got to kind of once you've written something um, stay clear of that emotion you've got to give emotion but not go over that line because yeah you find yourself in a difficult position then performing wise is there ever a subject that's too painful or too deep for you to write about and it's just something that you just can't you can't bring yourself to do it? Um I never I tend to I tend to write emotionally, sort of emotive, sort of things that have really hit home to me. Um I think they're the most they're the they're the best songs that kind of other people can listen to and sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for um, just sort of can hear something in the song that they can connect with um, and they're the most brutal honest songs um, I, I never have a problem writing about how I feel never a problem saying how I feel <laughs> um, but again it's a four minute is, is where it it can be difficult. But writing anything that's bothered me or close to home has never been an issue really. Like you said, it can be therapeutic. And I imagine too, when an audience member connects with a song you wrote about something that was painful or something that was a tough subject to write about, that has to be rewarding too because you feel like you share something with your audience and they respond and and it resonates with them. You're so right. I, I get so many messages 
um, on people coming out after the shows uh, and singing things like um, Be You, for example, uh, a song we did off the first album, um, Behind These Walls, um, Blink of an Eye, yeah, and, and uh, lots of songs on the new record. It's, it is overwhelming, actually. You think, sometimes you can get sort of down about, oh, I'm the only one thinking or feeling like this, and you're clearly not. You never the first person to think or feel anything. There's always someone out there that's in their house, um, when they've done it. So when those people, strangers, that um, you have no connection with, so to speak, when they hear your song or they come to your shows and they, um, they then tell you what that song means to them, that's incredibly powerful. Um, and, and a wonderful thing, you know, you can take the positive out of something that um, was clearly quite negative at the time. So, uh, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. It is turning something bad into something good. I mean, that's the ultimate way of therapy, right? I mean, it's taking a situation that was hurtful or, you know, something in your heart that bothered you and be able to create something that people find beautiful and people connect with. I mean, that's, you know, that's the beauty of the song. It really is. And what I've noticed is, you know, my, my family and friends and stuff, I never really sort of, I kept myself to myself. But through music, um, you get to write this stuff down and you get to almost confront the writing of the music and, and put it out there in the world. You confront your fears or your anxieties about certain things. And that's, that's a, like you said, that's a, that's a positive. And I think it's, it's a crying shame when people haven't got that outlet and feel that they can't talk about things or and keep it to themselves because that will literally send you insane. So um, that would be the the, the advice. And, and that's what the, the biggest thing I take from shows is when people try to say, that made me feel like I talked to people or, or you're just even talking to me about me, I think, you know, their issues. That's, um, that's a great thing. That is a great thing because you're writing a song that's providing you th- with therapy, right? Getting through something or, or finding a way to resolve something that you've gone through. So that's therapeutic for you. And then you create this song and then it's out in the public and your fans find it therapy. So you're writing the song, which is helping you and the song itself is helping your fans, which is a beautiful way of, you know, synergizing things. It really is. It really is. I kind of put it better myself. It's, it's a wonderful thing. That's the wonderful thing about music. It can take you to a place, um, a wonderful place that can take you to a dark place too if that's what the past was. But, I mean, the, the, the beauty of connecting to people, I think that's, that's the thing. If you connect in with people, then that's, that's a positive thing. So the new album is Point of No Return, released in February. Obviously, we're dealing with a global pandemic that is affecting people around the world. What so, has, how have you been dealing with this? Um, from the band's point of view, it, it is extremely frustrating. We, we had this record and we've done our UK tour. And then we were going to go to Europe and Germany and there was talk about coming to America. And so we were ecstatic and we couldn't wait. To, we were having sort of high praise um, with reviews of the albums and stuff. And then obviously the world shut down because of this, as you said, this pandemic. Um, so it was a incredibly frustrating, but at the same time, 
needs masks. You know, the world um, is in a, in a great place right now, so uh, we all got to stay safe. But um, personally, we've just been in lockdown um, in our homes and our families and just trying to keep keep away from everybody um, and hopefully let this thing run its course and um, the clothes will be ready to go when we can. Have you found yourself finding your creative side during this, you know, finding ways to write music? I, you know, it's, it's something, you know, that creative people like yourself who are in music or are in an art form, they need to find that. They need to find that creative juice that they have. Have you been able to do that while you're yeah. in your house? Well, I mean, I feel right now, and I've, um, I was actually kind of writing a song before you called, but um, it is it is a different animal. I, I find that I've been in lockdown now for three, four weeks, and I feel as though the creepy juices aren't like they were. Um, and I don't know why, it's just, I guess I'm in the same place constantly, um, and every day sort of run-of-the-mill stuff that you used to do isn't there anymore. So it's kind of difficult just to focus on being creative. Like, I don't tend to... You can't just walk into a room and be creative. Something's got to sort of inspire And I think um, mentally, where we all are locked down, it can be quite a, a lonely and dark place. I mean, I'm with my family, so I'm fine. But I'm just saying that it's not as a creative sort of spirit that we kind of normally have because things are slightly different. And you could also, obviously, when you're writing, you can get in the room with the boys and jam it out and then something else could spark from it. We've got none of that at the moment. Um, so it's all, a bit, it's all a bit different. We, we, we're doing okay. And I imagine everybody deals with it differently, right? I mean, you've got five different members in your band, that are all going, you know, under the same circumstances right now. So how you handle things sure. may be different than other members handle things. Have you been in contact with them, and have they talked about how they're dealing with this? Yeah, um, since the, the lockdown, we've um, we've now done a weekly sort of crowcast, uh, um, obviously like your podcast, but crowcast that's um, that's on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Um, and that's how we connect. That's how we speak to one another. Um, people can join in and ask questions. And so we've been putting all our sort of creative effort into that um, as an outlet. Um, and we're all talking and connecting that way. So it's a, it, again, it's turning a positive um, up a negative way, really, but it's a different different way of doing it. But they, they're coping good. We speak to each other regular. You mentioned having to pause a lot of the plans for this record. I mentioned to you before we began the conversation that we recently did a show with the top five records of 2020 with a follower of mine, Chris, who loves the album just as much as I do. And we both had it as the third best record of 2020 so far. And it has resonated with a lot of people and a lot of people are starting to discover those damn crows who didn't before. Sure. Being and you know having to pause the momentum that you guys had, have you guys put forth a plan to go forward again? How is that going to work? Are you waiting to see kind of what happens or you know how this all falls out, or, or well, is there a plan in your head? We we, we speak to our manager regular. 
um, on a daily basis. Uh, he's obviously in contact with our agent and record label. There were lots of plans um, before, I said before this uh, pandemic. Um, Europe, um, more shows, hopefully uh, getting to America. And but it is we are now in a situation where. The, the, the big festivals, the big sort of venues, even they don't know what's happening yet. So it's very difficult to to, to form a plan, so to speak. But I have it on good word that manager and agent are, are sort of constantly talking every day, and like there's there's things penciled in, but they can only be penciled in until the world decides what's you know what's happening. But um, it is a plan. And it'll be extensive sort of gigging and touring of this record because we haven't even scratched the surface yet um, with shows and stuff to promote the album. So it's just hopefully we can do it soon rather than later, but obviously for free. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing, right? I mean, we're kind of all in uncharted territory. No one's ex- ever experienced something like this before, so we really don't know. We don't know what the aftermath is going to be and how things are going to be affected. So... It's really all about just gathering information at this point and trying to decide what the best path forward is. Exactly that. Exactly that. We just sit and wait. And we'll be ready when um, when those gates open and um, we can't wait to hit the stage again. With this new record, Point of No Return, and the state of rock and roll right now, I've done a lot of episodes on the podcast about the challenges newer bands face that maybe weren't there 10, 15, 20 years and beyond. What do you feel in terms of the state of rock and roll, where it's headed? I know a lot of people like to say rock and roll is dead. It's obviously not. However, there is a no. an issue with getting it back into the mainstream. I think there's a lack of infrastructure. I think that that's where the problem begins. What are your thoughts on that? Um, we definitely seen over here in the UK a sort of change in the last year and a half to two years where rock music is really big again. Um, as you said, it's never dead. It's never gone away. It has gone under the radar. And the bigger sort of video train it as much. Um, I mean, we wrote a song called Rock and Rolling Dead on the first album, and that, that was, that's exactly what the song was about. Um, you couldn't get rock music on the mainstream uh, radio stations. So it is extremely frustrating as, as, a, as a member of a rock band. But thankfully, there are other stations that do play rock music, and um, we're lucky to be involved with them and have a great sort of rapport relationship with them. Um, they play our stuff. But I do agree with you. You know, I've got young children and I kind of want them to hear more on the radio when they just jump in the car and from day to day and on the radio station. But unfortunately, they're not hearing that. You've got to type in a, a rock station in order to hear rock music. So um, I, I agree with you, mate. I agree with you completely. Um, there should be more of it because it's not there. It's arriving well and it's thriving, um, especially in the UK. I agree. There's a lot of great bands, great new bands in the UK uh, that are just phenomenal. I enjoy listening to. There's a lot of great bands in America. Canada's got uh, 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 some great bands as well. And all over the globe, there's a lot of great music coming sure. out. 
And as a rock fan who grew up listening to Kiss and Zeppelin and Iron Maiden, you know, and I always love those bands, I'm excited about the newer stuff that's coming out. And I know, you know, the classic rock fan has an idea of what they feel about new rock. And, you know, those people are maybe not the ones that you want to connect with. It's obviously the youth of America, the youth of the UK, youth of around the world. When you're putting together the album, do you keep that in your head about how will this connect with, or is it, if it's good, people will listen? You know, what, what, what goes through your head when you're, when you're putting together an album, packaging it, and getting it out to the people? I think with anything, and it's not just about rock, I think anything in general. Firstly, if, it's, if you've not written anything that's not personal and you're not happy with, there's no point releasing it. So ultimately, it's got to fit. It's got to be you first. You've got to be happy with the product you've created. Um, and then you kind of just see what, <laughs> what everybody else thinks. But I mean, I guess that's the beauty of in a song like that. First, I, I kind of, I'm opening the door, I guess, people connect and, and sort of um, relate to our stuff. But I do agree with you. It, it, you know, I think it's like change. I can't, I can't, I don't know what it's like in America, but the, the fans, they, they, like you just said, they, they are more hungry for new bands. It was, uh, um, I think, a ten, five to ten years ago, I think everyone just wanted the big names. But I generally believe there's a, there's a shift now where they want to know new bands. And as you said, there's a lot of new, great bands out there creating great music. And I think the fans want to hear it. Um, so we're in a, a day, an age now where music is very accessible via well, if you Spotify, iTunes, you definitely need to get there and get it here because perhaps you did it back in the day. Um, and it's harder to get money to monetize it, so that's for sure. But um, I think fans are just hungry to hear new music, and that can only be a positive for rock music. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. But it, you can't package something um, in a way to think, oh, that could. Um, I know, satisfy the rock fans because it's got to be from you first. If it's satisfying you and then be true to yourself, I guess, in other words, and put that out and put your heart and soul into it and, and hopefully other people will connect to that. Um, and thankfully, they have. I believe that. I think a lot of the new music, there's a lot of authenticity in the songs, the performance. Yeah. And I think it's great. I think I, it... It reminds me of a time when I was growing up where there was new bands coming out all the time, and it's the same same as w- thing right now. There's new bands, like you said. You know, the U.K. is producing some great music. America is, too. I mean, wherever you look, it, it, there's, there's yeah. new stuff out there. And I also think it plays into the fact that in 10 years, those legacy acts that everybody likes to go see, those big bands and those big stadiums, those bands are not going to be around. 10 years from now, they're all going to be in their seventies, maybe some of you are in, in their eighties and they're not going to be able to do the big tours that they did and, and bring in all these people. So there is a vacuum that's been created. And I think now is the right time for a lot of new bands to be coming out because as people start to turn their attention away from those legacy artists, 
they have a plethora of new bands and new music to really dive into. You're so right, Nick. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And and thankfully I, I see I see the tight end in there where like I said, the fans are, are really interested in it. they're going to see new music. They're going to they're paying for to go to see a show, to keep seeing the gigs. Um they're buying the merch. They they're really sort of um supporting the new applicants. And like you said, because I think you like too that as you said, those big bands from the seventies and eighties ain't there and or won't be in the next ten years. So I, I do believe it comes around, um, comes back around, and I think it will be strong again, stronger than it has been in recent years. Um, because the, the need, the want, the desire is there for it, the new music. One of the things that's different than it was years ago is how you connect with the fans. And the main tool of that connection is social media. How do you guys manage and yeah. work that to broaden your audience? Uh, obviously, we got the usual sort of perspectives with socials and stuff, Facebook, Twitter, and, and our own website. And but we genuinely try and reply to everybody that contacts us. Um, we have after our shows, we don't just head back to the changing room. We go out to the nurse table. Um, try and see as many fans as we can we can't get for Kevin that is such a, a big part of the new wave is that you have to if people are going to support you you have to give them your time and, and maybe there'll be a time where it won't be safe to do so but we really try our best to give back as much as we can because the people that put us here you know, to, to do a second album to come to our show pay for their it's just thanking them for their support. Um, I think that's the least thing. I think it's really important. I also imagine too, with you know your fans being able to send you a message on social media or being able to meet you at a show. That's a lot different than I, you know, for what it was for me growing up. I mean, bands they you didn't see them before the show. They got on stage and. Maybe you saw them loading up or after the show, maybe, maybe not. But there was no connection socially with them on any medium at that time. And now you have the ability to do that. I would think that a fan, a fan's loyalty becomes more deeper because of the connection that you 100%. can now have, you know, than, than years before. 100%. We, you know, the fans are like extended family because you know you get you get crazy shows um, but uh, such a huge part you build a craft fan base and um, it's very much like a family you know you've got the crazy uncle or the crazy auntie um, but it's putting food in the place you know the people are coming to and help us to sort of live in. Um, so one thing, so if you can plan a, a message, um, that, that, that's ridiculous. When you're connecting with your fans and you're able to you know, meet them and, and, and see them at the show, when, you know, what's it like having someone that's been there from the beginning 
and meeting someone who's maybe seen you for the first time. And I mean, there's always an excitement, me being a fan, of seeing a band for the first time and connecting with them. What do you find is the sure. biggest okay. connection that, that, that fans have with those damn crows? Great question. Uh, we have definitely our fans that have been there from pretty much day one. Um, there's people that have seen us multiple times and we win double figures and, and you know, they're the first ones to sort of get in touch with the show. We put on the show, they said, oh, I got my tickets. Um, it's incredible feeling that they still come to the show. I mean, we make, we make a live show. Live is where it's at for us. It's, it's great recording an album um, and getting it right and getting it to almost as perfect as you can um, audio-wise. But we for, for me, an album recording and playing an album live are two different animals. You have to make that as intimate and as slightly different. You have different alternate sort of um, breakdowns in the song, different endings. Um, you like to change that up as much as we possibly can. So that even for the people that have seen us a few times, they get a different show. Um, there's lots of people that see us for the first time and they're like, wow, we are on stage. We, I, I tend to jump up I tend to jump into the crowd, I tend to hang off speaker, I, I, there's a bar or a balcony and I on it. Um, I kind of try and draw as many people as I can um, into the show. It's all about the crowd participation. It's We're not just the playing songs on stage. This is a, an experience. And um, it's the different animals, but the live is definitely where it's at for us because if you're connecting with those people and they're walking away, thinking, wow, what a great show. They came back, you know. So, um, yeah, we take great pride in that. Trying to mix things up as much as we can. Well, Shane, it's been a pleasure talking with you about the new album, about those damn crows. I really appreciate you doing the episode. I love the album. I can't say enough about it. It's a great record. It's a strong record. For my listeners out there who are looking for new rock and roll to listen to, those damn crows, Point of No Return, is a great place to start. Thank you so much, Shane. Once again, that's Shane Greenhall, vocalist from Those Damn Crows. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 